You might have noticed it is Friday again. Yeah. <clears throat> there is something blooming out there. This, this is always my favorite time of year. Whenever there's something blooming, it always just affects me in the very worst way. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page if that's the kind of thing you like to do. One of the uh, one of the things that uh, I, I'm very adamant about is that the lesson learned is the most important thing, and part of that is hardship. Hardship leads to change, and one thing that you learn with experience is like what we think is an initial victory can turn into something utterly bitter in taste, and something that you thought was a heartbreaking defeat can then turn into something extremely glorious. So, you know, history is not linear. And it doesn't follow a logical rhythm. But it is complex and it has re repeating cycles and new variables and all kinds of moving parts. And I've come to realize that almost everything in life, whether I like it or not, should be approached with a healthy dose of wait and see. Presidential elections lead this way. Now, uh, during the month of uncertainty following the 2000 contest when Al Gore refused to concede to George Bush, election denier anyone? Every hanging chad in Florida's butterfly ballot seemed important. And it seemed very important. It seemed critical for the Republicans to reclaim the White House after eight years of Bill Clinton. And then when Islamic supremacists attacked us at home the following year, with Bush in the Oval Office as opposed to the global warming-obsessed inventor of the Internet, that was, a, that was a relief between the two. And at the outset of this, we had a guy who was willing to make difficult choices and take the fight to an enemy that has always wanted to see us burning. So that would make him the right man for those chaotic and trying times, right? Well, as time wore on, wore on, this became less and less clear. First, we got the Patriot Act, which was supposed to broaden the toolkit for tracking down foreign threats, but it was turned into a domestic surveillance weapon. Your privacy was beaten with a sledgehammer. Rhetorical battles against Islamic supremacy morphed into another politically correct surrender. And, you know, and now we're forced or required to speak of Islam as a religion of peace. Fighting the terrorists overseas meant that we were also expected to open our doors to millions of new refugees. So we started out with this robust offensive strategy to eliminate these guys. And it transformed into an endless military occupation on the other side of the world with little in the name of long-term strategy. Why were Americans fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq? Now, if you would ask somebody that did some of it, you would think it had to do with 9-11 payback and to end the threat of Islamic terrorism. 
But the official line from the White House evolved into some notion that Americans must put themselves in harm's way so that ancient tribal cultures could magically become stable democracies that valued human rights. And that only made sense in Washington, D.C. Bush and Cheney erected an unconstitutional infrastructure that could be used to spy on everything we do, everything we say, everything we buy. They enlarged the welfare state. They created whole new departments and agencies. They increased debts and deficits. And they expanded federal intrusion into local education and family life. And they squandered a whole lot of trust and goodwill. And then, when we took stock of this, after seven or so years, the, the 2000 election victory tasted like poison. When Bush's approval numbers were so low by the end of his two terms, they went shop, you know, Americans went shopping for the polar opposite. So we got a half black hope and change leftist whose middle name is Hussein which seemed to fit the bill nicely, and the voters elevated the empty suit Barack Obama to the presidency. Americans who wanted the country to move beyond racial grievances of the past saw him as unique, a way to unite the nation. They were tired of empire building abroad. This would return us to the focus of what goes on here. Well, that didn't, that didn't turn out, you know, he turned out to be one of the most divisive presidents the country's ever had. Very malicious guy. Never missed an opportunity to use race as a hammer for fundamentally transforming the country. And if you didn't agree with nationalizing health care, you were accused of hating poor people. If you didn't believe cops were crooks and the crooks were victims, you were called a racist by the president. If you didn't think Iran should be rewarded for building nuclear weapons, Obama accused you of loving war and loathing peace. And if you didn't think that you, the American taxpayer, should have to foot the bill for a global wealth redistribution scheme, you know, all in the name of climate change, uh, you hated the environment and wanted everybody to die. <laughs> and yet, with all of the hardships that came out of Obama's supervision, the Republican voter never would have turned to a political outsider such as Trump as a potential solution. It's stupefying to watch the establishment and the pundits still mistake Trump supporters as delusional cult members. If you want to look at a cult member, look at the, the whole idea where if you're a voter and you think that Mitch McConnell and John McCain are Republicans and Chuck Schumer and John Kerry are Democrats and that's all they are, then you're wrong. You're, de you're, you're the delusional, right? When establishment politicians all became part of the same uniparty and got the same kind of money from the same people. <laughs> well, then you were going to get Trump. And then in a very nice object lesson, we watched Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell fail to kill socialized medicine. We failed. They failed to finance a border wall. They did not hold Obama accountable for his use of the IRS and the FBI to target political opponents. And suddenly those of us that are just regular Republican voters, right, we understood that the Marquis of Queensbury rules of political boxing, that only existed as a, as, as a slap in our, in our face. And then comes Trump, and he beats the coronated Hillary Clinton, a true political outsider, to 
to act like a wrecking ball against a rotten deep state. And then we got all this, you know, we got the Russia collusion hoax and the Antifa mostly peaceful summer and COVID, mail-in ballot fraud, January 6th, the endless political persecution of parents. What could possibly justify all of this? I'll tell you what it justified. And I'm sorry it had to come to this. But some of us had to be slapped awake. Some of us had to understand and begin to understand what terms like globalism meant. What self-sufficiency meant. And uh, now you're awake. Now you understand the fear of losing personal freedom and liberty. You get it. Religious freedom, parental rights, protection of life. This is all big big topics for you. And if we make this turn, if we make this turn, it may have been worth the pain because hardship, that which was, doesn't kill us is only going to make us stronger. And if we emerge from the stronger, this will be, uh, this will be time well spent. So take heart. When we get back, uh, I think New York City has decided they don't want to exist anymore, given all the stuff they've been doing with Trump and everybody else that uh, they seem to be lining up in their sights. That, when we get back, this is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I've been trying to feel sorry for Trump, uh, but Trump's tough. Trump is a very tough player. He's mentally tough. I don't know where he gets that from because he doesn't have the normal background I would associate with it. So I'm, I'm impressed. But when you when you're coming after Trump and his businesses, that that knocks that's a gigantic economic hole you're blowing in the middle of New York City. It's not just Trump and his buildings and his family. You know, for every one of those buildings, there's probably a route guy delivering soda, chips, you know, delivering to the to the to the kitchens, all this other stuff. That it creates its own little ecosystem economically. And, you know, he's got multiple buildings in, in uh, New York. So what they're looking at doing, which they've already done for the most part. Um, I, I don't know what the point of this is. And, and let's, okay, in 2011, he received a $125 million loan from Deutsche Bank for his Doral, Florida golf resort. And in 2012, another loan for $107 million for his Chicago res, hotel and residential building. Deutsche Bank and Trump, they, you know, they didn't exchange Christmas cards, but they still thought it was worth the risk for these collateralized loans because they were coming out of the 2008 lending crisis and real estate collapse. Trump repaid the loans in full and on time. Neither party registered any complaints. Now, New York first began their investigation on the heels of his announcement to be a candidate for president in 2015. 
And that was most likely part of the Democrat cabal organized by Clinton and Obama to ensure Hillary's election. This was just meant to ensnare him on the way because she was definitely going to get, you know, elected. So where was the harm that allowed this lawsuit to go forward? According to the judgment, he inflated the value of properties and financial statements submitted to obtain loans and insurance. And this somehow besmirched the reputation of New York City as a place to do honest business. But the bank deflated those valuations. <laughs> real estate valuation, especially commercial real estate, is not arithmetic where there's only one right answer. You know, according to the judge in his September 2023 summary judgment on the first count, Trump, by submitting documents containing false or misleading information, created an atmosphere conducive to fraud. Um, which... I'm not aware of there. Is there a statute about the atmosphere conducive to fraud? <laughs> because the bank required annual submissions of financial disclosures covering many properties, not just the ones for which the loans were obtained. The judge treated each instance of submission for each property as a separate fraudulent act. They also included documents submitted for licensing deals and other loans, and thus he established a, quote, pattern, close quote, of fraud. But did you know, <laughs> did you know that New York had been besmirched? Were you sitting around going, did you hear about New York? They've been besmirched. The only people who saw the documents were those who submitted and received them. So that was Trump, the bank, and some insurance companies. Trump made his position look really, really rosy. The bank downplayed it when evaluating him for the loans, as they do. And then they made the loan. Trump wanted a bazillion six dollars, they wanted to give them half a bazillion six dollars, and somewhere in the middle, they, they, they settled on this. It was a negotiation. Shades of the, uh, you know, East German, uh, what's his name, Beria, the, the guy who could show me the man, I'll find the crime. This is how, this is what they used to get Trump to find this. This is what they went and found. They tried to get his IRS records, and they didn't get until it was leaked. So how did property evaluations determined by the judge to be fraud that were submitted to support fully repaid loans totaling $232 million acquire a penalty of nearly half a billion dollars? Now, the judge determined that stupidity, the loss of all profits on transactions related to those properties, was the appropriate penalty for having created this atmosphere conducive to fraud that no one knew about. And interest charges kicked in immediately. And he ordered ongoing and preemptive oversight of all Trump business dealings, as well as prohibited normal business from being conducted by all the defendants. So given the, you know, the judge's concern about New York's reputation, what will the business community take away from this when it comes to Judge Ann Garin and uh, Letitia James? Because all these guys do this. This is this is part of this, this is an ongoing part of doing the business of, of getting these loans. The, the disagreement over our commercial property's present and potential value, even when the bank's independent review prevails in determining the value, according to the city of New York, can constitute in fraud in the eyes of the city. And financial disclosures to private entities like banks may not be private at all if you 
come up on the radar in New York City. This was a good deal. It was a good deal. And uh, the bank was willing to offer the good deal. And for all of this good deal that everybody profited off of, we have fraud. And, uh, you know, this could result in equal penalties, equal with the good deal. And that accepting risk in business may be far riskier than one imagines because this is a new risk. Managing risk management is all, this is all part and parcel of what these guys do. And when you get out there and all of a sudden somebody imposes a new risk that didn't exist till about five and a half minutes ago, that becomes concerning for people that are dropping big money. You know, helping the home you love recover from that devastating financial collapse. And he didn't, you know, when you look at Trump, everything that Trump does, he doesn't need to do now. He doesn't need to do any of this stuff. So I guess it's a fool's errand to try to be helpful. And because there's no cause for complaint from any participating party in these commercial transactions. That doesn't mean New York won't jump in years after the fact to seize all of your profits. And, you know, right now, Letitia James is looking around at all the buildings that Trump owns like they're hers. And, of course, you know, let's be kind President Trump. He's a brash wheeler dealer, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's not out there. He doesn't suffer fools. Um, and, you know, and behind all of this, while all of this is happening, New York City's in dire financial straits. AOC has chased off Amazon. Aging New Yorkers move to warmer climates as they've done for decades. Only now the boomers are the largest generation. And, uh, yeah, well, the greater New York metro area is already home to more than a million illegals. But since Biden's election, they've probably seen a doubling of that number. They cut $1 billion from the police in 2021. Major crimes went by, up by 22%. So I'd, how, uh, is, uh, is this a way to try to solve the, the budget issue? Could that, could that be it? I, I don't know. But they've done more. James and Angerin have done more to drive away investors, which... They themselves have actually damaged New York City's reputation. And Trump was a big draw for New York City. He'll probably take it all now to Florida. And who could blame him? Who could blame him? First thing that needs to happen is all of this needs to get reversed on repeal. Then he needs to take everything he's got and leave. Leave. When we get back, I have a, you know, they keep wanting to rename things in the military. I have a new one for them, the new United Foreign Military of the United States. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, we had... uh, we had non-citizens in the Army in the 80s, but I don't know what the policy was regarding that back then. The uh, carpro.com talk line is 1-800-905-0989. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. The Democrats in Congress, they want to recruit foreigners to fill the holes in the military, in order, to, and then they're going to offer them citizenship. But like I said... Um, I served with a couple of guys that were not 
American citizens that were in the American Army. I, I remember one guy from El Salvador. And uh, I don't know what the circumstance was behind him being in the military. But, uh, you know, we had standards back in 1984. <laughs> um, of course, we didn't have any drag queens trying to recruit us. So, it's not a surprise to me that there are foreigners serving in the, in, in the United States military. I do think, uh, I, I don't think anybody that I served with was an illegal immigrant, though, an illegal alien. And if we're going to start offering those people a birth, in a, a slot in our U.S. military, what is it becoming? If it's, I mean, if it's the U.S. military, what, what, what are we going to call it? It won't be the U.S. military anymore. That's, that's one thing. Now, they call this the Courage to Serve Act. Okay. They call this the Courage to Serve Act, and this would allow illegals to serve in the U.S. military and then get citizenship. Which, you know, if we just went ahead and recruited the 113,000 Chinese that are supposedly over here, we would just fill up every berth we got. The Roman Empire had to do this towards the end of their, during the end of their time when they had to hire foreigners to fight for them. But, and this is, quote, bipartisan. But, you know what, instead of going with this right now, just because I just got notified of something, let's do something really quick and maybe give me about another minute on this there, uh, Maestro, if you'd be so kind. Joining us now from Columbia, South Carolina, from investusa.org, is Michael Letts. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bill. It's always a privilege. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Did you hear what I was talking about with the foreign army? I sure did. Same thing they're doing with uh, first responders. Yeah. They're offering to give them citizenship in return for service. And the problem you have with both issues, first responders, you ask them to uphold a law when they're illegals themselves. And they're breaking the law. You're asking them to enforce the law. That's a bad precedent. I heard the you LAPD know, was going to hire a bunch of them. That is correct. And they're trying to do it all across Chicago, uh, New York. They're trying to do it all across the country. And then, of course, on the military standpoint, hard to get excited about defending a country you can't even be a member of. And uh, you have no loyalty to, you have no knowledge of its history. And uh, quite frankly, you have no allegiance to. And this is exactly as you said, this is what happened to the Romans. It's never worked out well in history, bad mankind. I'm going to start working out well now. When I was when I was in the military in the '80s, we used to have uh, foreign nationals. But I, I, were they like permanent residents? Do they have to get permanent residency to be a member of the armed forces? That's correct. Yeah. Does that now? What 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 do they get out of that? Do I, I don't remember. Do they get anything out of it? Do they just get to serve? They just got to serve. Yeah. No, no, nothing they get. They got a paycheck. They got a paycheck. I wonder if it would have done them any good when it came time to be naturalized. I would imagine it would have been viewed favorably, but it still had to serve the time. That was sure. the issue. Yeah. And you see what this proposal in Congress is, is we bypass everything. Bypass the legal requirements. You can come in illegally. 
bypass any of the uh, rationale you needed to be able to come to this country, such as, you know, political asylum or some kind of an asylum basis. You just need to come in. I came in illegally. I was smart enough to slip through so they didn't catch me. So I'm going to you do that for your army, serve for a four-year term, and then I get automatic citizenship. And in the meantime, you pay me, and you take care of all my clothing needs and everything else. Not a bad deal for them. So then, of course, remember, I understand why I say not a bad deal for them. They're not talking about going to war for us now. They're just talking about a job. First time the conflict breaks out, you see how fast they take off. Right. And sign up for this. And that's what really puts you in an awkward situation. You're depending on a unit to perform in a situation, and that unit goes AWOL. It just destroys morale, destroys chain of command. It, I mean, you're 10 times worse than that. You never had a unit out there at all. And that's the biggest concern. That's what they're not understanding. Yeah, you see, once again, what are they doing? They're trying to concentrate on the illegal, what is best for them. Right. Well, how can we get you a citizenship card quicker? Well, hey, maybe if you're willing to serve in the military, uh, we'll give you a citizenship. But they're not realizing the consequences to the American people of that decision. Again, their whole philosophy, they have put Americans last. And that is what has to stop. That needs to be the first and foremost. What does this do to the country? What does it do to our defense system, our national security? And is it in our best interest? And the answer is a resounding no. You know, they're trying to kind of sidestep an issue here, uh, Bill. They don't want to talk about the draft. Nobody likes the draft. But um, you're much better off to draft and have people who understand the meaning of citizenship and what it takes to be a member and citizen of this country and you are to open it up to non-citizens who don't have your best interests or your ideology in mind are just doing it for a paycheck and you get something on the end, on the back note the premier free citizenship card that never works out very well no i don't guess it would yeah uh, a lot of people on the text line are like, uh, they should maybe. Uh, this is uh, this is the way they reform immigration, I guess, and offer them offer them quick citizenship if they serve. The Kirks, the Serve Act. Here, here's your card. Welcome to America. And see, that's what they're doing right now. We we just talked about the military aspect. Same thing with first responders. You serve, and we never expand. You serve the community in some form or fashion as a public servant. You're a teacher first responder, uh, military personnel, and a couple of some other things. Then you're automatically exempt. You automatically get your assistance card the next day. Well, first of all, you have to prove yourself. I always thought every time in my day when you got hired, you were basically on probation for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, whatever it was, to make sure you could do the job. Those are not doing any of that. Sign up, get your, your citizenship. So what if you sign up today and quit AWOL three weeks from now? I don't guess they thought about that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, this just proves one thing I've always thought about Michael. Better late than never. We were a little late getting him, but he always brings he always brings the receipts. Thank you for joining me this morning, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Always a pleasure. Take care, Bill. God bless. We'll be back in touch shortly. Roger that. When we get back, you remember 
couple of weeks ago, we had this apocalyptic declaration coming out of Congress. Do you remember that? No, because you've already forgotten it, because it was just a distraction. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. TheCarPro.com talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Going to the phones, Mike from Inman, you want to, let's talk about illegal serving in the military. Yes, sir. Hey, good morning, Bill. Yes, yes I served with many, many uh, aliens from Mexico, all over Central America, South America, France, Italy, Russia, the former Soviet bloc countries or states. And uh, I served with them here in the U.S. and in Afghanistan. And the deal was back then in 2007, 2008, when we was in Afghanistan, if they served a year in combat, they was given U.S. citizenship. But now they had to be uh, permanent U.S. residents with green cards. Right. But uh, but they also... Uh, I mean, they was great guys. They was great soldiers. Had a problem out a few of the, the Russians and the, some of the <laughs> Italians that had some real bad left-leaning views, socialist views, let me put it to you that way, especially sure. the, the Italians. They, they still thought that Mussolini was a great guy. Uh. But they had a big U.S. citizenship ceremony for a lot of these guys at Bagram and um, uh, while we was there, and I told that that one guy from Italy, I said, you may want to keep those Mussolini comments to yourself. <laughs> it's probably good but, advice. Uh, but, I, I know when, yeah, you know, but, we, we had some guys from El Salvador. When I was in Europe, we had a guy from El Salvador, a guy from South Korea. And I think we had some other guy from Central America somewhere from maybe Mexico or something. And I, I didn't know the details of it because to me, they were just soldiers. They were just, they, they were here with me. So, I mean, I didn't really care where they came from. They, you know, I'd be like, so where are you from? They'd be like, El Salvador, really? I didn't know we were taking those guys, but apparently we were. But it's not a new thing, yeah. though, is it? It's not a new thing to have foreign no, national I mean, serving. No, now, these guys did. I mean, they, they, they did their job, and they was proud to wear the uniform, and they was proud to be a U.S. citizen. So, do, you know, do, do you well, think, we couldn't even get our own American citizens to serve in Afghanistan and <laughs> Iraq. These guys, you know, they signed up for it. <laughs> so, you know, when, when uh, in 1990, when we invaded uh, – when we went to Kuwait, I begged them to take me back because I'd just gotten out. I begged them to take me back, and they wouldn't take us back. They, sometimes they shoot themselves in the foot when they get out there and say, oh, we're not taking any more prior service. Yeah, well, when I was uh, during the buildup, uh, after the initial invasion, after the buildup, they was calling back people left and right, uh, especially guys that was on IRR. Uh, you know, they was getting that letter of saying, yeah, you had two days left on your, on your two years IRR. Welcome back to the U.S. Army. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, I had, I had, I had like, I had right at 10 months left. But, I mean, they didn't call me back. They did not call me back. I mean, yeah. my unit was the intel- military intelligence unit in charge of Arabic uh, Arabic countries. And if, when yeah, we, we went, you know, I was surprised they didn't call me back. I begged them to take me back though. But anyway, yeah. the one thing is though, that they were permanent residents when they served with us then. 
and they were not illegal aliens like they're trying to court right now. Do you see anything wrong with them being illegal aliens and trying to get in uniform? Absolutely, because they have a criminal record. They have a criminal past. I mean, their their court case hasn't been adjudicated through the court system yet. So, no, they shouldn't be serving. I mean, how are you going to do a background check on these guys when you know nothing <laughs> about them? Makes, That's the truth. To me, it makes no sense. That's what you want to do. You want to hand a bunch of illegal aliens that's already committed crimes and hand them an M4 with a 30-round magazines of of uh of five five six that's what you need to do mike thank you very much for the call i appreciate that i I, you know when i was in i was just like wow i'm over here and i'm miserable oh you guys are here with me great and that was as far as it went with me back in those days so uh thanks for the thanks for the heads up and thanks for the uh for the clarification and have a good weekend as far and and permanent residents that come and and you know my 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 mother's side of the family everybody on my mother's side of the family are naturalized citizens i'm half british which uh, i find hilarious sometimes but um the idea that you would uh, my 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 uncle my uncle that came over here that was naturalized as well he served with he served very uh, very honorably in the us navy Gave his time to the U.S. 8 Navy as soon as he he became naturalized, I think, before he got out of high school. So it wasn't like it was some big to-do deal, but he, uh, you know, he he, he felt the the desire to serve, and, and he did. So as far as us having foreign people in the military, we've had that for a long time. Illegal aliens, on the other side, on the other hand, I got my questions about that. There's no way to look at them, and do the kind of vetting that you had to do with, uh, you know, anybody. And everybody gets a clearance. Everybody has at least a secret clearance. The cooks have clearances because people talk and they're going to hear things all day long. So I don't know how you actually go and vet that. But, I mean, everybody you see in the military serving today, they have a clearance of some sort because they've been vetted. Anyway. We're going. We'll, we'll get. We'll get to the uh, the the fake news uh, when we get back. Just because I think it bears mentioning that once again, some. I, I I sat back and I was like, what is it that could possibly be so bad that you guys are losing your minds over this? And that was all that. That's all that caught my attention. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 